I am so thankful that God gave me this message. I've never spoke quite about this in before. But I know it is the will of God. And for a few moments this morning, I want you to open up your heart. Because I'm going to, the title of this is The Miracle of the New Birth. Okay? Birth is a miracle, isn't it? And this week as I was studying the Word, I just began to study 1 Peter. And that's where I'm going to take my text from today. And they're going to put the scriptures up. I'm going to read these scriptures. <clears throat> and I want you to listen or read along with me, if you would. And then the worship is going to come back. And I'm going to have the privilege of leading you to Jesus. And I'm going to have the privilege of agreeing with you because the scripture says if any two will agree within touch anything it will be done I'm going to agree with you for miracles for breakthroughs in your family in your home whatever it is and you're never going to be the same again 1 Peter chapter 1 I begin at verse 3 and we'll go to 9 I believe Blessed be the God of our Father, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again, look at this, to a living, everybody say a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and to an inheritance, look at this, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for who? For me and you. Who are kept, how are you kept? Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Anybody been grieved by various trials? We all have. That the genuineness of your faith, the authenticity of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found, you may be found, to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believe and you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. <laughs> That's the way we felt this morning, isn't it? Receive at the end of your faith the salvation of your soul. So we're going to talk for a few moments. The miracle of the new birth. Jesus said you must be born again. So the, to me the miracle of the new birth of the new birth means three things to me. A new disposition. 
a new appetite and a new capacity. Now, God created you, you, with your own unique talents, gifts, your own unique personality, temperament, uh, quirks and quarks, and abilities. But here's the thing about the new birth. God created you with that personality. The new birth does not violate what God has already made. In other words, shy sinners become shy Christians. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not looking for performances from people. Shy sinners become shy Christians. Funny sinners become funny Christians. Cool sinners become cool Christians. The new birth does not violate what God has already made. The new creation does not contradict the old creation. In other words, God doesn't reverse what he has already done. Now, the good thing about the new birth is this. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to gain control over your temperament. Amen? And he'll give you the power to overcome the effects of sin in your... that kind of messes your personality up. Pride, anger, lust, lying, jealousy, greed, right? But God will not override his own work. He redeems us by giving us a new disposition. That's what happened to Peter. Remember him? When Christ got a hold of him, Christ took Peter, the man of flair, the man of passion, he didn't take his flair and passion away from him. What he did was change the direction Peter was going. And when Christ got a hold of Thomas, Thomas was not a personality of flair and passion. Thomas was more like an introvert. He liked to think and ask questions. Peter and Thomas were completely different people when they were sinners. And even when they got saved, they still were completely different people. You see, the whole purpose of God with you and me, the whole purpose of God is to take the unique individual that you are, the unique individual that I am, that he has already created when he formed us from the dust of the ground. The only difference, he moves us into a new direction. God never intended that you would spend the rest of your life trying to be like somebody else. Every person reflects a unique angle of the glory of God. The Bible says we are all made in his image, but yet none of us, there's not one, two of us that are the same. There's no other person on the planet like you. When, the whole, when you're born again, you get a new appetite. Nature determines your appetite, right? And when you're born again, God gives you the appetite that reflects your new nature. Birds have an appetite for worms. Cats have an appetite for cat food. 
I don't have an appetite for that because that's not my nature. So the principle is simple. Cats have an appetite for what cats love. Birds have an appetite for what birds love. Sinners have an appetite for what sinners love. And those who are born again have an appetite for what Jesus loves. So through the new birth, God creates a new desire in you that wants to please him and follow him. Do you know that many people turn away from Christianity because they think it's all about rules and regulations? That's a terrible kind of life to live, isn't it? It's not attractive. Do you know what? True freedom, think about this. True freedom is found when the things that you desire are actually the things that God commands. Oh, you didn't hear that. True freedom is found when the things that you desire are actually the things that God commands. That's beautiful. You have a new capacity. Nature not only determines appetite, but nature determines capacity. So here's what I mean. Dogs can't fly. It's not in their nature. Fish can't run. It's not in their nature. Sinners can't live in the presence of God. It's not in their nature. And they can't obey the laws of God. It's not in their nature. If your faith rested in the commitment that you have made to follow God, the Christian life for you would be impossible. You'd be like the Old Testament Israelites. Remember them? They were the most backsliding people that God ever created. You know why? Because they were trying to live for God in their own power and ability. And they were all the time disobeying and messing up and and messing up and disobeying his commandments. They were totally sincere in their intent, but completely naive in their ability. But the good news is the miracle of the new birth gives you the power to live for God because the spirit of God dwells within you. So you have the capacity to do all that God has called you to do. I read to you this morning, first Peter, I read to you that your salvation comes from your faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't come... Uh, It's not dependent on the precise moment of vivid recollection of when your faith was born or formed. I can't recall my natural birth. But I know I was there because I'm here. I can't recall my natural birth, but I know I'm alive. And I know I've been born. And that's the same way about the new birth. Have you ever wondered, God, why did you choose me? Well, that's just the whole point. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And that's the beautiful thing about the mercy and the grace of God. Of all the millions of people in the world, the only answer for you being here today is the grace and mercy of God. And that's my point. You see, the new birth is something that happens to you. You don't really make a contribution to it. You can't save yourself. 
You can't help yourself. Only the mercy of God. God did not breathe new life in you because you're better than your neighbors. The only explanation for the new birth is the mercy of God. The reason why you see is because God's glory has opened up your eyes. The reason why you love is because God's glory has opened up your heart. And the reason why you want to follow Jesus Christ is because God has put that desire in you. And then I read to you where the new birth brings a living hope. Everybody say, I've got a living hope. Think about that. Not just a hope, but Peter described it as a living hope. Your living hope is not a mind game in which you create your own reality of the power of positive thinking. When Jesus arose from the dead, he broke the power of death, hell, and the grave. And that new living hope was transferred. That new living hope of I'm victorious was transferred, implemented in your life. So because he lives, you live. Because he broke the power of death, you don't have to worry about the power of death in your life. Verse 5 says, we are kept by his power. Everybody say, I'm kept by his power. Verse 4 says, you have been born into an inheritance. That was never going to perish. Money can't buy it. There's, there's nothing on this earth that anybody could leave you that compares to the inheritance waiting for you and I. Your new birth has brought you into a new family. You are now in line to be the recipient of the greatest inheritance that has ever, ever been given out. God will keep you, or he's keeping his inheritance for you. And it will be released to you when Jesus Christ returns and gathers us up and takes us home with him. Isn't it great to know that you have a place reserved for you in heaven? The reservation is made. The price has been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you and I on the cross of Calvary. I'm talking about an inheritance that never fades away. I'm talking about an inheritance with your name on it. And do you know what else I'm telling you? God isn't only keeping the inheritance for you. Get ready. He's keeping you for the inheritance. He's sustaining you. That's why he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you right into the very end. Because I paid the price of my son's blood. That's the inheritance that is waiting for you. Oh, give him praise in this place today. Give him praise in this place today. The best is yet to come. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. 
Verse 5 says, you're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Some Christians believe that there's an inheritance for them, but they wonder if they're going to receive it. I'm here to tell you today, and I want you to hear me, everybody in Inspire and everybody watching us online. Listen to this. God wants you to know that your salvation doesn't depend on your ability to hold on to him. But it depends on him, his ability to hold on to you. God wants you to know that your salvation is not dependent on the strength of your hand, but it's the strength of his hand. Jesus said, I've got you in the palm of my hand and nobody, nothing is going to pluck you out. Oh, you ought to be rejoicing because you're going to make heaven your home one day. That's the basis for my confidence. That's the basis for my insurance. God is keeping an inheritance for you. And he's keeping you for the inheritance. And both are safe in his hands. And both will come together when Jesus Christ returns. So it's the miracle of the new birth. And you're saved by faith. It's an authentic faith. When you read verse 6, can you, I don't know if you can put that up there, but verse 6 and 7. Oh, this is so powerful. Thank you. Look at this. In this we greatly rejoice, though yet for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold. Oh, come on, read that with me. That perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you found an old painting and somebody said, my God, that looks just like a Rembrandt. The first thing that would come to your mind is, I want to test it, get it examined to see if it is authentic. What Peter is saying is that your faith is more valuable than a Rembrandt. It's more valuable. It's more precious than gold here. Gold is going to eventually perish like every other created thing. But your faith is genuine and it's going to carry you to eternity. So how can you know? How can you know that your faith is authentic? How do you know that your faith is not just some passing phase? Peter said in verse 6, he said, when you've suffered a while. When you grieve. When you're tested. (laughs) You're going to see your faith shine purer than gold. If your faith was just a human decision that you made. Or a passing phase, then as soon as a test or trial or a disappointment or suffering came to you, you would renounce your faith and walk away from God. But Peter's saying your faith is genuine. It's the real thing. And it can get you up any mountain. It can get you across any river. It can carry you through into the darkest valley. It's real here. In this congregation today, I bet you, I bet.
bet you in this congregation today, there's somebody that has gone through hell in the last 12 months. But here you are today, worshiping God. That's not your personal decision. That's the genuineness of your faith fighting for you, keeping you on track, keeping you holding your confidence and putting your trust in him and not letting you go. There's people in this place today. I bet you there's people in this place that in the last year you've made it through the loss of loved ones. Somebody's here that you've made it through the loss of a job, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a business, but yet you're still believing. And you can't even hardly believe yourself because in the middle of the test and trial and the fires, you're still worshiping, clapping, and rejoicing to God. You're not complaining. You're loving Him. That's salvation faith. That's victorious faith that will never, ever fade away. Come to the music, everybody. There's only one explanation for this. There's only one explanation. Christian faith is a miracle. It's the seed of the life of God planted in my soul and your soul. And it, and Peter said, guess what? It is indestructible. Oh, you didn't hear that. Peter said that faith is the seed of the life of God planted in your soul. And it can't be destroyed. No demon in hell can destroy it. No trial or test in your life will ever, ever destroy it. Up in Canada, where I grew up, I got a great memory this week. Mom, my dear mother, raised 19 kids. My dad died when I was nine years old. Mother never remarried. About four foot 11. But she loved to plant every spring. And we had this shed. Where's my musicians? We had this shed. And in that shed, Dr. Hurt, Mom had what we called dahlia bulbs. Remember them? Anybody remember bulbs? They're a plant. They're a plant seed. And she would, every spring she would walk up and put, they would dig a little hole and just take this off the shelf and just stick them in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't long until we seen beautiful flowers coming up. That is a miracle. So bulbs, there's, there's dahlia bulbs, there's lily bulbs, okay? I want you to imagine with me right now. I want you to imagine the bulb, the dahlia bulb being planted from the bulb's perspective. So the gardener, the gardener, this wonderful gardener, Picks up this dahlia bulb and he holds it in his hands carefully and he digs a hole for the bulb and he lays that bulb in a hole. When the bulb is laid in the hole, it fits him perfect and it, it almost feels like he's laying in a cradle. 
and Dahlia Bob can look up to the open sky above. Life is good. The Dahlia Bob is happy, filled with joy. Then suddenly, that loving and caring gardener begins dropping piles of dirt on the bulb. And the bulb goes from happiness to sorrow. And the bulb goes from life to thinking, my life is at an end. Because he's dropping piles of dirt on me. And all I can see now is darkness all around. But what the Dahlia bulb finds out is that dirt that is piling up on him is not destroying him. It's bringing life to the seed. And it's actually contributing to its growth. Now think about your own experience. You faced many trials, haven't you? Especially in the last 18 months, right? Mm-mm-mm. You live with unanswered questions. You've put your trust in Jesus. But there were times when you were trusting Jesus and worshiping Jesus that you could not put a grasp on what was going on or what he was doing. That's why Peter put it in verse 8. Whom you have not seen, you love. Though you have not seen him, yet believe and you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no other greater evidence of your faith than that. Verse 7, faith has been proved genuine will result in the praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed one day one day when it's all said and done God is going to review everything that has happened in your life the good, the bad, the ugly including those places and times where you chose to worship him on a Sunday morning even though you didn't understand what was going on. And then it will become clear to you that the darkest passages of your life were the places of greatest triumphs. I'd like you to bow your heads. Pam and I been married 38 years I won't get into a whole lot of detail but I'll tell you the last four years have been like incredible for us you talk about going through the fire oh we went through it Pam had two major surgeries cost us a lot of money uh, we were living in Dallas had a beautiful home it flooded twice twice for weeks we lived with plastic we were quarantined from certain parts of the house lost a lot of money from investments we were driving yesterday and Pam began to laugh 
I looked. I said, what are you laughing at? And then she just said, you know, honey, everything we went through, all the hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally, that we lost, our net worth hasn't changed. That is unexplainable. You are going to see that the darkest places of your life were the places of greatest triumphs.